Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank our praise team for sharing, and thank all of you for taking part in worship. And so, um, thank you so much for participating. If you brought your Bibles, we're going to look at Romans chapter 7 this morning, verses 14 through 25. I'm going to share with you about man's greatest battles. Man's greatest battle. You know, we've mentioned today is Memorial Day. Uh, tomorrow will be Memorial Day. This weekend is a celebration, a recognition of those who have given their lives in fighting some of uh, our world's most important battles, and especially for our country. But I'm going to talk about another type of battle today. I'm going to talk about a spiritual battle. The man's great battle. If you will, look at Romans chapter 7, and we want to look at 14, verse 14 through verse 25. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sowed under sin. For what I'm doing I do not understand, for what I will to do, that I do not practice, but what I hate that I do. Now, can you see the battle in Paul's life? Same type of battle that we have in our lives. Look at verse 15 again. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice, but what I hate, that that I do. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good, I do not find. Verse 19, For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not do, will not to do, that I practice. Now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. Verse 21, I find then a law. Here's the law. That evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law according to the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in all my members. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Heavenly Father, thank you for a time that we've had to worship you and praise. And now, Father, as we've opened your word, help us to understand that it is the inspired word of God. It's inerrant. Every word is true. And, Father, it is God-breathed, breathed, to us, and so help us to understand today that through your word, 
you're speaking to us. Help us to discover through your Holy Spirit how to have victory over the war that is within us. And Father, I pray that you would help me as I share this morning. Give me the words to say, the right spirit to say them in. And I make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Man's great battle. Do you notice how many times that Paul used the word I in verses 14 through 25? So the question is, who's he describing that's having such a great battle? This person he's speaking of is going through a very difficult time. Now the great evangelist Charles Finney in his systematic theology book, lesson number 38, in 1878, says this. He says, this is a picture of the unregenerated man, the person that's not saved. He says that this is a picture of Paul before his conversion, the days while he was under the law. And then Charles Finney says, it is a picture of an unconverted, unregenerated man or unregenerated person. But A.C. Gablin, a theologian in 1919, he says, that Paul, he says that this is a picture of every Christian as they struggle with the principles of the sin in their soul. However, I see it like so many others. I see it as a universal struggle of all mankind everywhere. I believe everyone has this struggle in their soul, you and I, we and they, the generations past, the generations present, the generations future, it is a war experience for all of mankind. It's a picture of us before we were converted. We tried and we tried and we tried and we failed. Notice verse 19, chapter 4 says, verse 19, on chapter 7, look at verse 19, look what he says. He says, for the good that I will to do, I do not. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. And so it's a picture of us before we were converted. We tried and we tried and we failed. And then we failed and we failed and we failed. And so we took our defeat to Jesus and he saved us. So it's a picture of all who have been saved. Verse 19, but it's also a principle warfare between the flesh and the spirit. The flesh and the spirit still goes on. The war still goes on. We're saved, but the war goes on. There's this battle between the flesh and the spirit. We war, we battle, we fail. We war, we battle, we fail. We take ourselves to Jesus regardless how wretched we might be. He forgives us. But then it goes on and on and over and over again and again. It goes on night and day, yesterday, today, tomorrow. Every day we face a new battle with our flesh and our spirit warring against each other. And so it's a picture of mankind. It's a picture of people everywhere. It's a picture of the lost. It's a picture of the saved. Verse 21, notice what he says. I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. He says, I will to do good, but I find that evil 
is present with me. It's, it's a picture of mankind everywhere. The lost, the saved, it never leaves us. The one who wills to do good, we find at times that we're not doing good. So the point is, I never get so holy, you never get so holy, I never get so high up, I never get so close to God, I never get so close to heaven, but that evil is always there. Verse 21, I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. So all time, everywhere that I am, evil is present with me. Even at church, evil is present with me. Even while I'm on the pulpit or the platform with this pulpit, evil is present with me. I have to be real careful because of the pride that sin. I have to be careful. Evil is present with me. Everywhere that I go, right by my side, the principle is always there. Don't forget that. Evil is always there. But it's in you also. Not only the preacher, but it's in you also. So here's the point. There's no one around me, and I don't mean this to be offensive, but there's no one around me, including myself, no one around me, no one that is around me that is holy. We're all sinners. We all fall. We all fail. We all make mistakes. I've never known anyone, I've never seen anyone that is so completely sanctified and holy and above the principle of evil that surrounds us. Now, I've heard people say different. Uh, but I find that this is a point one, a universal principle. Paul states it there in verse 21. I find in a law that evil is present with me, and the one who wills to do good, evil is there. It's a universal principle for the lost. It's a universal principle for the saved. And so the battle between good and evil, regardless of who we are, regardless of our age, in the young, before they even start the school, evil is present with them. The youth, they battle the evil in their heart. The senior adult, the older man, the older woman, they fight the battle every day. The educated, the high educated, the highly educated, they fight evil every day. The unlearned person, they fight evil every day. The faithful Christian, they fight it every day. The backslider, they fight it every day. So humanity is divided by geographical divisions, Humanity is divided by race. Humanity is divided by creeds and by beliefs and by culture. But we have one common denominator. Evil surrounds us every day. Not only is it a universal, but it's also an inward battle. It's universal. I want to do good, but evil is present with me. Always in us, always around us, but it's a universal battle, but it's an inward battle. And this is what Paul is getting to. He was experiencing this inward battle in his life. However things may be on the outside, however uh, circumstances may change in our life, I still have to live with myself 
and on the inside of me, there is the principle of evil. I know evil's around me. I know that I have, I'm around evil people. No one is so sanctified that they're not experiencing this same struggle Paul's going through. I'm not either. But this is not only a universal battle, but it's an inward battle. Things may look good on the outside. You may think that uh, Brother Sam is this and Brother Sam is that, all positive remarks. But at the same time, evil is present within me. Notice what he says. For the good that I will do, I do not do, but the evil I will not to do, that I practice. So there is a flesh, and however the outside may change from time to time, however cultured, however educated, however dedicated I am, that thing of me is still inside of me. It's outside of me, and then evil is inside of me. I can, I can shove people out of my life. I can push the evil away uh, at a distance from the outside. But there is within me this principle of serving the flesh. The one who wills to do good, evil is present with me. Now, Romans 7, look at verse 23 and 25. He says, But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, bringing me into the captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, Paul is saying there's two spirits that war on the inside of a person. There is a law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity of the law of sin. And then with my mind, my spiritual, my highest part, my soul, I serve the law of good, but with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. And these two are at war on the inside, and that experience is a universal experience, and it doesn't change when I become a Christian. It's universal, it's on the inside, and it's an unending battle. Now, like I say, it doesn't change when you become a Christian. Uh, you say, well, Brother Sammy, perhaps you're saying, well, I'm going to come forward today, and I'm going to be saved, and I'm going to settle this thing with the devil once and for all because he's never going to touch me again when I give my life to Christ. And so you come down an aisle, and you say, Brother Sammy, I want to be saved. I'm giving my heart to the Lord Jesus today. Well, guess what? When you do that, you've just enrolled in a great fight, in a great war between the Spirit of God and the flesh. You're in the heat of the battle. There are a number of people who believe that they've reached a point in which they really believe that they're removed from sin when they get saved. I've had people to tell me, I don't sin. They tell me this. You know, I think that would be fantastic if that was true. We'll give you an opportunity if you want to stand and confess, Brother Sammy, I just don't sin. Anybody. I mean, that would be fantastic. Anybody like to do that? Anyone? I've had people to tell me that. One person very close to me told me, since I got saved, I don't sin. 
Really? Can anyone here say that? Anyone listening, give me a call. Let me know that you don't sin. They think for a man and woman who could... Just think what it would be like for a man and woman, or a woman to stand up in a congregation and say, I've come to the place in my Christian life where I no longer sin. But there's one thing about that that really scares me, frightens me. You know what the great sin above all sin is? The sin is referred to in theology as the sin of the Pharisees. The sin of self-righteousness. The sin of that self-proud person. The sin that says, hey, I've achieved in the Christian life. The sin that says, thank God, I'm not like the other, those others who are sinners. Don't forget Luke chapter 18. Let's look at that just for a moment. Luke chapter 18. And remember verse, uh, let's look at verse, uh, chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. And he also spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. You ever pointed your finger at someone else and thank God that you were not like that person? He tells about two men in verse 10 that went up to the temple to pray and one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. One that was so religious and so pious. He was a Pharisee, the most religious people of the day. The other was a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed, verse 11, thus with himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, even as this tax collector. I mean, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And this tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes toward heaven, but he beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus said, I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Friend, listen, I am convinced that as long as we live in this body of death, that we'll always have this fight going on inside of us between good and between evil. And I pray with all of my heart that I'll never consider myself so high, so mighty, so self-righteous, so goody-two-shoes. Because when I lay my head down at night, I see how far and how far short that I am in measuring up to God's expectations in my life. Isaiah 6, verses uh, 1 through 5. Listen to Isaiah as he goes into the temple to worship. In the year King Uzziah died, verse 1, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of His robe filled the temple. And above it stood a seraphim, and each one had six wings, and he covered his face. With two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the posts of the doors were shaken by the voice of Him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me! 
for I'm undone. Because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. How do you feel in regards to measuring yourself with other people? How do you feel when you come to church and look around? You say, as that Pharisee, well, I'm glad I'm not like that person sitting over there. And I'm glad I'm not like that person sitting over there. You think you have it all together. But I found in my own personal life that the closer that I get to God, the more that I feel in my heart, Lord, I'm just not worth standing up in your sight. Depart from me. I'm a sinful man. Isaiah 6, 1 through 5. F.B. Mayer tells the story of one of his church members inviting him to come by one afternoon. And he went by her house and she had washed a load of clothes. She was a washerwoman. And she just got her clothes hung out on the line. They were so pretty. They were beautiful. They were white, so white. Just pure a pure whitewash. And she asked Mayor to come in her house for a cup of tea. And after they visited for a while, they went outside, and during their conversation, it had snowed. It snowed about, he said, between two, three inches. And he remarked to her, he says, and I quote, it doesn't look like your wash is so white now. And the washerwoman said this, Pastor, there's nothing wrong with that laundry. It's just that there's nothing that can stand against God's almighty white. And that's right. You may not have alcohol in your breath. You may not have an alcohol addiction. You may not have a drug addiction. You may not have the tattoos. You may not have tobacco breath. But when you compare yourself with other people, you may really think you're pretty good. But when you compare yourself to the Almighty, you're going to fall to your knees and you're going to say, Lord, I'm really not what I thought I was. Have mercy on me. The battle's universal. There's an inward battle. And the battle is unending. This battle will go on and on and on throughout our lives. The youth will experience, they'll experience the sins of passion, the sins of manhood, the sins of womanhood, the sins of pride, the sins of self-righteousness, the sins of criticism, the sins of failing to encourage someone, the sins of living in the past, the sins of old age, the sins of the tongue, gossip and lying and slander, envy and jealousy. So the point is, as long as we're in this body of death, we're going to have a fight going on. However, the victory is found in Jesus Christ. Look at verse 24, and I'm finished. Verse 24. Romans chapter 7. Romans 7. Let me turn back to it. He reminds us 
in Romans 7. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And then he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with this mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. The point is, as long as that we're in this body of death, we're going to have this fight. But thanks be to God, there's victory that comes through the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll close with this illustration. There was an old fellow who lived a life of degrada- uh, degradation and spent the good portion of his life in a tavern or in a bar. And then one day the Lord saved him and his whole life took on a new meaning. But the poor fellow had to go by a bar to get to his mailbox at the post office. And he told a friend every day, I go past my old hangout, and it's just like two dogs inside of me having a terrible fight. A little black dog fighting a little white dog. And the little black dog says, go inside the tavern, go inside the tavern. But the little white dog says, go get the mail, go get the mail, go get the mail. And his friend says, well, which dog wins? And he said, well, the one that I feed the most. The dog that you feed the most is the dog that's going to be victorious. And so if you feed the old nature, that old Adam, the old Adam wins. But if you keep Adam starved and you keep feeding the Spirit, then the Spirit's going to win. Do you really think that you're nourishing the Spirit of God just by feeding on His Word maybe an hour or a week? You think the Spirit's going to win that battle? When you feed the flesh more than you feed the Spirit, the flesh will win every time. I was talking to Tyler James And I mentioned this to him about the battle between the two dogs. And he said, my dad had a little poem that he taught me when I was real young. He shared that with me in regards to the war that goes on between those two natures. He says, I have two natures in my breast. One is cursed and the other is blessed. One I love and one I hate, but the one I feed will predominate. So this morning... If you're lost without Christ, you only have one nature, and it's fleshly. And you're constantly, no doubt, feeding the flesh day in and day out. Today, you need to come and you need to give your heart to the Lord Jesus and be born again. And so this invitation is not for you to come to a denomination. It's not for you to come and be a part, to be a member of a church, to be changed but to the Lord Jesus, who when is enthroned in a person's soul and in the center of their heart, He has the power to give you the victory over the battle that you're fighting today with the flesh. And you can win the battle, and you can have power over sin, and you can have power to say no to the devil. Which one are you feeding most today? The flesh? Are the Spirit. Let's have a prayer together. 
Father, I come to you and I thank you for an opportunity we've had just to consider the greatest battle that man fights, and that's between good and evil, the flesh and the spirit. And Father, help us to understand when we get saved, that battle intensifies because we're struggling with the flesh right now without Christ. But when the Spirit comes to live within us, that battle gets far greater, Lord. And so, Father, as the Holy Spirit speaks to hearts today, I pray that people will have seen in all of this, Lord, this great battle. And their feet in the flesh are their feet in the Spirit. And I pray, Lord, they can see that the victory can come. Victory can come only when we feed the Spirit that we can have victory over whatever battle that we face. Lord, we know the struggle will go on uh, throughout this life, and one day we'll be set free from sin altogether. But you've given us power over sin, that, Father, it doesn't have control of us. And when we're tempted by the devil, we can turn to you, and we can have victory over that sin in our life. I pray for each person here today, some have never trusted you as Lord and Savior of their life. And they're living totally in the flesh. But your spirit is dealing with them today. And I pray today they would say yes to your spirit. And be, Lord, would be willing to step forward and trust you to be the Lord and Savior of their life. And I pray, Lord, for those who have been saved and have yielded from time to time to the flesh. Help us to see, Lord, that uh, for us to repent and, and draw close to you, serve you, feed you, feed the Spirit, Lord, and we know that we can always have victory over the devil when whatever way he tempts us. Thank you for what you're going to do in this invitation time. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.